0: So as we've already um, noted, we've been moving through, week by week, um, these various themes of Advent, uh, the theme of waiting and preparing, and today, in turning. When the Apostle John writes about the birth of Jesus Christ, he talks about light coming in the darkness, and each week the light grows in our darkness, in the world. and. Our darkness in our lives and our darkness of the community, it's the light shining in the darkness. And um, a couple of weeks ago when Greg spoke about waiting, um, he used the idea of the light of dawn, the first part of day, the pink and orange light that rises in the eastern sky and brings with it the hope and excitement of something coming in the future for which we are waiting the rest of the day. Last week we talked about preparation, we talked about um, the light being almost like um, full uh, sunlight at, at noontime when everything is lit up in the sky and nothing can hide, and the brightness of the bright is, uh, light is so bright that, that we have to squint to look at it. And today we're going to talk about light in a different way. Um, it can be kind of sunlight, but we want to talk more about a, a spotlight. Spotlight is very different than, than other kinds of light. Uh, in a spotlight, there's no place to hide. In a spotlight, all your blemishes can be seen. In a spotlight, everything that you do is magnified. And we use this phrase, right? Now you're in the spotlight. So um, if you're you're in the choir and the choir is singing an anthem, all the choir sings together. But if you're in the choir and have a solo in an anthem that they're singing, all of a sudden the spotlight is on you. There are no other voices surrounding you. There are no other voices maybe drowning out whether you're off key, on key, whatever the case might be. The spotlight is on you and everything you do and sing is magnified. Or if you're in a Christmas program and um, you have to give uh, a recitation of Luke chapter 2, well the spotlight is on you. Not the spotlight in the sense that we should all stand and applaud and pat you on the back, but you're out there all by yourself and any mistake that you make, any miscue is seen and magnified because the spotlight is is on you. If you're at work and you're given a project and you're the lead person on that project, the spotlight is on you. And so we, we talk about spotlight in this way in various parts of our lives. If we if the noonday sun makes us squint because it's so bright, the spotlight makes us squirm. The spotlight can make us squirm. And this is the spotlight to which we turn during the season of Advent. The Christmas season is filled with wonderful themes, right, love and peace and joy. But in this week of Advent, the turning makes us face the light in such a way uh, that it might not bring as much joy, but it's more somber reflection. So let me see if I can figure out what a spotlight, help you understand what a spotlight might look like. um, Becky put together this beautiful Christmas decorative thing that was going to be thing. That's pretty technical, isn't it? Um, she, she put some decorations in a pot that was going to sit on our front porch. Um, but so this beautiful decoration could be seen at night, we went out and we bought a spotlight. Uh, and so we, I, you know, I stuck it in the ground because I'm, you know, technical, mechanical. I stuck it in the ground and I plugged it in. And I know how to turn it on, and I know how to turn it off. That's how technical I can be. So we turned the spotlight on, and it was shining in the darkness. You know when it gets dark now, this time of year, 4.15, or whatever the case might be. And we're in the kitchen that night, and the spotlight is shining on this pot that's on the front of our porch, but it's also shining into our kitchen window. And Becky goes, man, that spotlight really makes our kitchen window look dirty. (laughs) And I said, Well, I'm not so sure it's the spotlight that makes the, the window look dirty. I think that it just tells us how dirty our window really is. But we look out that window all the time. Without the spotlight on it, we never noticed how dirty it was or where all the little film is. You know how this works in your house, right? Where all day long and uh, throughout the week, you can, you know, all of a sudden the sun comes pouring in a window and you notice, man, there's dust on our furniture. Where'd that come from? It just showed up overnight. But the spotlight, it's the light. That allows us to see this kind of dirt and darkness that takes place and the bible talks about the same thing in a little bit of a different way when malachi predicts the coming of the messiah he says in chapter 3 and we want to read this i'm going to read the white part and together we'll read the yellow part malachi says i will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me then suddenly. Now we're familiar a little bit with how um, metallurgists do their work. It really hasn't changed over time. You take, um, you know, the raw ore or metal out of the ground or out of the rocks, you harvest it, you bring it someplace, and you have to somehow refine it. You have to get all of the impurities out of it so that it is pure silver or pure gold. And the way they do that is to put it in in a very hot fire. So if you were a person who had a small piece and you were going to be a metallurgist on your own and you had a little workshop in your garage and you'd somehow contain this fire and you'd take the silver that you wanted and you'd stick it in this fire and you could watch it burn the impurities out of it. And the impurities are noticed uh, because, you know, they, they have the flame is a different color. It's not just, when it's pure orange, that's burning pure oxygen out of the air and it's only, then you're down to the pure silver. But if there's a little bit of... Black or a little bit of green, or a little bit of... You're still burning the impurities out of that silver as it is. And so this refiner's fire kind of works in the same way. That's how it happens. And they call it dross. When you're burning out the impurities, it's called dross, which is an interesting word. I was thinking about this this week. Dross is spelled D-R-O-S-S, right? What's gross spelled? How's gross spelled? G-R-O-S-S. Why is one pronounced dross and another one's pronounced gross? Anyone? Is there some English rule if it begins with G and a long O? I don't know, but it's also it, it, it amazes me how similar they are. Dross is gross. It, it gets the grossness out of our lives. It gets the impurities out of our lives. It's trying to burn these things out. We're not perfect people. We're not perfect in any way. We are God's workmanship. We are His treasures, but we all have our imperfections, some of which we're very much aware of, and others that we are not aware of at all. They're kind of hidden in our lives and even hidden from us, not because we're hiding them necessarily. But there are things about us that we aren't even aware of until we put ourselves in this refiner's fire. The refiner's fire is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, shining His light into all of the dark corners of our life, places we wouldn't even ordinarily go. And Paul said, this is the goal that God has for us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. May he, meaning God, strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of the, his holy ones. So God's goal for us is to be completely blameless in the presence of God when he comes. We know we're not blameless. We know we're sinful. Is that even a a realistic goal? Well, apparently, because Paul states it for us, a little bit later on, he says that it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and the depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory uh, and, and, and praise of God himself. Paul prays that you and I would be pure, completely pure, all the dross, all the grossness gone out of our life, and that we would be completely blameless. Now, if we believe that we are all sinners by nature, and that we have sin in our life, is that even a realistic goal? Well, apparently, again, because it's in the Scriptures as a goal. In writing about the refiner's fire, uh, One writer that I was reading this week talks about um, Jesus' birth and Mary and Joseph giving him to Simeon. So the story goes this way, if you read it in uh, the Gospels, especially in Luke, where... um, Jesus is born, and uh, Mary and Joseph, being good Jews, want to take him through the proper procedures. And what you would do when you had a new child is you took him to the temple so that that child could be consecrated, dedicated to the Lord. So you take your son to be dedicated to the Lord. They took him to the temple, and there was a man named Simeon who was there, who was one of the priests. And Simeon had, um, had been in a relationship with God and had a conversation with day and said, Lord, I don't want to die until your Messiah shows up. I want to live until your Messiah comes. And when Mary and Joseph bring their baby into the temple, the Holy Spirit... Tell Simeon, this is the Messiah. This is whom you've been waiting for. This is whom you have expected. And so we read in Luke chapter 2 that Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, may you now dismiss your servant in peace. Let me die now, because I've seen the Messiah. He is here. I know it. Even this little baby, somehow the Holy Spirit penetrated the heart of Simeon. This is the one. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel." So he sings this great hymn of joy that he's seen the Messiah, and now he can finally die in peace because the Messiah has come. And and, and we're familiar with that story, and it's a great story. It's a great story to follow up on Christmas with. It's a great story about Jesus and Simeon and God's faithfulness and the predictions and the fulfillment. And we oftentimes, however, forget about these last few verses of the story of Simeon. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too so this little baby the messiah whose birth we celebrate is destined To cause the falling and the rising of many people in Israel. And also allow the thoughts of many hearts to be revealed. And this is part of the refiner's fire. A sword will pierce your own soul, Mary. And you will discover what God has said about this child to be the truth. When you let the Holy Spirit shine a spotlight around in your inner life. There may be difficult and painful moments, like a sword piercing your soul. But the piercing of your soul is exactly what we need. So if you have a a young child or even an older one, and their tonsils are infected, and their throat gets inflamed, and they're in such pain they can, they can barely, you know, talk or walk or eat or whatever the case might be, what do you do? You take them to the hospital, and they do surgery to cut out their tonsils. They cut out the dross, they cut out the gross part, they cut out the infected part, and then you are healthy. But you've got to go through the surgery to get to the other side. You've got to get rid of the dross. When we're struggling with issues in our lives, and we don't really understand what they might be, we might go to a therapist or a professional coach, and they help us sort out what is going on. And I found in working with therapists sometimes that the best thing that they do is not give you answers, but they ask you very powerful and difficult questions. You now, what do you want to accomplish in your life? How did you find yourself in this position? How are you going to get out of it? When you talk about getting out of it and they say well what's preventing you from doing that these are difficult and powerful questions and we start to understand motivations in our life and things that have affected us that we weren't even aware of before they're taking that spotlight that refiner's fire and they're shining around in the dark places of our lives when john writes about jesus birth he says that the light is coming into the darkness and he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We prefer the darkness over the light. We don't say that very often. It isn't anything that we proclaim, but that's our natural bent, to prefer the darkness over the light. We don't like to shine the light alone in our motivations, our attitudes, or the things that we don't, because it's painful, it's difficult. It's things that we have to work on, the things that we have to get rid of. It's very hard. Jesus is known as the way and the truth and the life, right? So Jesus is the truth. Not only does he speak the truth, but he makes us face the truth about ourselves, which is difficult for us to admit certain things about ourselves, embrace certain things about ourselves. We tend to be disingenuous with ourselves and with other people. Are you familiar with these, um, these city bank credit card commercials? The tagline at the end of the commercial is, wouldn't it be great if everybody said what they meant? Wouldn't it be great if everybody said what they meant? Wouldn't it be great if everybody just really told the truth? Are you familiar with it? Show these commercials, will you, Kyle? Tell us what they look like. This well, is here's a load-bearing wall. We'll go ahead and rip that out. It's going to yeah. cause a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Totally unnecessary. And it triples the budget. We'll be way behind schedule. schedules. Schedules. <laughs> <laughs> schedules. Great. Okay. Wouldn't it be great if everyone said what they meant? Hi. Hey. I've made plans for later in case this date doesn't go well. Likewise. But, funny story, on top of that, my mom is my best friend. Uh Uh-oh. Here. Oh, there's the rescue text from my roommate saying she needs me. Wouldn't it be great if everyone said what they meant? (laughs) These commercials are humorous, and I think they have a powerful impact because they show a side of us that we never show ourselves. We rarely are brutally honest. We don't like the truth, and so we hide from the truth. When someone speaks brutal truth like that into our lives, we all get a little uncomfortable and kind of squirm, you know? (laughs) My mom is my best friend, oh good. Or the contractor who's brutally honest about removing a a load-bearing wall that isn't really necessary to do. It's going to cause lots of problems. And I'll make more money that way. What what contractor says that to you? That kind of truth is horribly uncomfortable for all of us. I saw a story recently about a young woman who um, grew up in extreme poverty and in a family whose dysfunction was way beyond anything that you and I could ever even imagine families would do. Her her mother was bipolar and a drug addict and abandoned the whole family. Her father was an alcoholic and was a mess and couldn't be counted on for anything in her life. And and so they were all affected by this dysfunction. Plus they lived in poverty on top of it. And um, she somehow managed to get a job that had a steady income and health insurance some benefits and was starting to claw her way out of this cycle of poverty and dysfunction that her family had been in their whole lives. She started dating a guy that she met at work who was college educated from a very strong family unit. They were extremely wonderful people. They embraced her with open arms and welcomed her into her family. And then she she, she ended up sabotaging this relationship for some horrible behavior. And when she was talking to her boyfriend about what happened, what she said was, "Is I realized that I didn't think I was worthy of this job or this relationship or this place in my life. And so subconsciously, I did things that blew the whole thing apart. The relationship, her job, and everything. She had let the spotlight of truth shine around in some places where she'd never faced the truth before and came to the ugly realization that she didn't think she was worthy of anything good or valuable in her life i mean we all have dark places in our lives right things of which we are not aware things where we need to let the light shine And once we become aware of the darkness that we have in our lives and we've identified the things for which we have to change, we call it in biblical language, repentance. Repentance simply means that we're headed in this one direction. And we're headed in that one direction all the time. And if we keep moving in that direction, we're going to enter in the same sinful behavior. It could just be conversations, whatever the case might be. We're going to head there unless we repent. And repent doesn't mean, well, I'll think about it. I'm glad I know about it. It means that we're going to turn and walk in directly the opposite direction. When we see ourselves headed toward that sin once again, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go completely opposite of that. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn. And I'm going to move toward the light instead of the darkness where I tend to go on my own. (laughs) Now when the refiner puts the silver into the fire and burns off all the impurities, they know their job is finished when the flame is just bright orange and has no green or black content to it. But the real test of whether the silver is ready and completely refined or not is when the refiner takes the silver out and looks in the silver and can see a clear and perfect reflection of his own image. When we shine the spotlight of God's truth into our lives and deal with what might be painful about ourselves and turn away and move toward the light we start to become and achieve those goals that that Paul lays out for us that seem absolutely unattainable, to be blameless and pure. Not in our own, but through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. We go through that painful process of admitting things that we'd rather not to admit about ourselves and clear some things out of the way. Jesus was the way and he was the truth. One day a rich young man said to Jesus, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, live obediently toward the law. You know, and started to cite examples. Don't commit adultery, do not steal, all all the ways that God wants us to live. Just embrace those things, and, and things will go well for you. And the young man said to him, hey, look, I've done all that. I worship in the synagogue regularly. I give of my tithes and my offerings. I serve on the council whenever I'm asked to. I've done all of that. Jesus said oh great go sell everything you have and follow me and we're told that the young man hung his head in sadness and turned and walked away not in repentance but to simply pursue the way he'd always lived because the spotlight of Jesus truth in his life was so painful that he couldn't embrace it. And sometimes that's what happens when we hear the truth about ourselves. Placing ourselves in refiner's fire requires courage. And it also requires that we be in relationship with people who are willing to be completely honest with us. Do we have someone who knows us well enough and cares enough about us to speak the truth about ourselves? One of the phrases that we use here um, on our church staff frequently is ministry is a series of difficult conversations. They're not always comfortable. Sometimes they're painful. But every time I've ever had a difficult conversation and listened to what someone has to say to me, I've learned things about myself that I never want to admit and didn't even realize. And it clears out the dross and allows us to shine more brightly for Christ. And so the question on the third Sunday of Advent is, are we ready to allow this spotlight, this refiner's fire, to rummage around inside of our lives and reveal to us the things that make us uncomfortable and keep us from being the kind of light that God wants us to be? Here's what Malachi says after he talks about the refiner's fire. Then the Lord will have men and women who will bring offerings in righteousness. They'll bring their offerings in a perfect and right relationship to God. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord. As in days gone by. As in the former years. In other words, when we go through this process, as painful and as difficult as it might be, on the other side, we're the kind of people that God wants us to be. And so God asks us during this season of Advent not just to embrace the beauty of the light but also to reflect on the dark places, places of our lives, our motivations, our attitudes, the things that we do. If you have the courage, ask a family member, is there something that I do say or way I behave that gets in the way of me being more like Jesus? Let us pray. And so, O Lord, we thank you for the light of this season. We thank you for the opportunities we have to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the great gift of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ again and again and again in our lives. And we pray, O Lord, that we'll have the courage to look into the crevices, into the dark places, and to accept the truth and to embrace it so that we can be more and more like you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, there are several announcements I want to make before uh, we worship with our tithes and our offerings. And um, I'm not real big on pulpit announcements because all the research shows that they're horribly unaf- ineffective. So can we prove the research wrong? Because I know what happens when I stand up here and make announcements. Most of you are looking in your bulletin or through your purse or going, oh, my goodness. So, one, number one. Um, Remember that there are glimmers of hope trees out there where you can take uh, an ornament and then you can support World Renew, or you can support Angola prisoners, or you can support um, lampstand ministries downtown, or you can support um, someone in our own community who has financial need during the Christmas season. Number two, uh, this upcoming week there are two special musical events that will help us continue to prepare ourselves and hearts and minds for Christmas, one on Uh, Friday night, Behold the Lamb of God presentation here in our sanctuary at 7 p.m. And then on Sunday night, uh, Lessons and Carols, uh, as done by our choir, Uh, that'll take place at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. Um, And then there is actually a tea ahead of time if you'd like to come and have tea and crumpets or whatever we're going to have uh, prior to the Lessons and Carols. You're invited to do that. All the details about that stuff are in your insert, so I'm not going to go into the weeds of all of the details for that. Next Sunday morning, one worship service, 10 o'clock, a live stream combination service that we've done for four or five years now uh, with the Louisiana State Prison in Angola. And so come at 10, be a part of that service. It's always a highlight of our Christmas season. And, And one of the things that happens when we come is we bring light and joy into the lives of people who are incarcerated and may never see the light of day outside of a prison for the rest of their lives. Um, and then, as we have done for the last several weeks, we're nearing the end of the year. Uh, we're, we're trying to make sure that we have enough money in our budget to meet all of our responsibilities, to make sure our missionaries receive oh, our missionaries receive what we've promised them. They're so magical. You just appear. Um, as well as the rest of our ministries. And so uh, we told you we'd let you know where we are. We need $600,000 by the end of the year. That's three more weeks. I figured this out all last night. I spent time as about two hundred and some thousand dollars a week for the next three weeks, but I believe that we can do this if the challenge is in front of us. So let us be generous givers not only today, uh, but until the end of the year, so that we can continue the ministry that God's laid before us. Let us continue to worship with our tithes and offerings. And uh, Cliff and Christine are going to lead us.